Hi everyone, welcome to the Lifestyle is Medicine podcast. This is Daniel Cho with Pathways to Wholeness Lifestyle Medicine and the North York Lifestyle Medicine Clinic. Dr. Jennifer Purdy is a medical doctor who practices lifestyle medicine at Ottawa Lifestyle Medicine. She's in fact the only lifestyle medicine doctor in the capital of Canada. And in this episode, we'll be talking with her about her journey to becoming a lifestyle medicine doctor. So Dr. Purdy, thank you so much for joining us today. So for starters, can you share a little bit about yourself, how you became a medical doctor, and kind of what you're practicing right now? Definitely. So I, uh, I actually was in the military for over 23 years, and while I was in the military, I heard that they were sending uh, people already in the Canadian Armed Forces back to medical school and residency. Before I joined the military, I, done, I did two years of nursing, and then I dropped out to join the military. Mm. And so I was already interested in healthcare. So when I heard that they were really short of doctors, I, I tried to get into medical school, and I applied for the program that the military offered. And so that's how, actually how I got my medical school degree and my family medicine residency, and I did both at University of Ottawa. And then I uh, worked as a family doctor for almost seven years in the military. And then in February, I retired from the military. And in May, I opened up my practice in lifestyle medicine uh, because during my time in the military, I became... I became aware of the link, first off, I became of the link between uh, diet and chronic pain. Mm. And then, of course, when you when you hear about something about the link between diet and some issues, if you do any kind of digging, you hear more about the link between diet and other health issues. And eventually, uh, I also heard about lifestyle medicine. And once I learned about lifestyle medicine and knew more, I was able to stay in the military for a little bit longer. But eventually, it was calling me far too strongly for me to stay in the military where I wasn't able to do lifestyle medicine. I needed to retire and pursue this because I just think it's too important. So that's really fascinating. Can you share with us a, a bit more about how you came to learn about lifestyle medicine? What was it about lifestyle medicine that sort of convinced you that this was kind of the way I want to practice medicine? So, yeah, so I need to take one step back because I've heard first about the benefits of whole food plant-based. And then mm. I finally, when I was, uh, I was posted to Petawawa, and I had a few patients with uh, chronic pain. Not everybody was willing to try changing their diet, but I had one guy who had terrible pain, back pain uh, because of the, uh, just uh, he'd been running and he'd got his foot stuck in a hole, uh, uh, caught in a hole, so he kind of twisted his ankle but wrenched his back while wearing a heavy backpack. Mm. He'd been on narcotics, he'd been on like uh, all kinds of different medications, physiotherapy, chiropractor, was still in terrible pain, and so I, even though he liked to, uh, you know, kill or hunt small game and eat it, and he loved ice cream, he was willing, he was so desperate, he was willing to try changing his diet, for, uh, and I said, um, mm-hmm. I don't know how long this is going to take, but he was willing to change his diet, so he went on whole food plant base, which was like a healthy whole grains, uh, vegetables, fruit nuts and seeds, got rid of the animal products. At the time, I didn't know how important oil was, so I probably didn't say anything about that. But anyways, within 30 days, he, he felt fantastic. And that, I, and so once I saw that, I just I, I knew that this was pretty powerful. Plus, I was hearing a lot more about uh, all the success stories through Forks Over Knives and the mm. other websites like that, Dr. Medjugorje's website as well. And then it was actually only probably in the last, I think, almost two years that I heard about lifestyle medicine. And I heard about it, I believe, because 
Uh, Dr. Ornish has been with uh, the American College of Lifestyle Medicine for years, and so has Dr. Michael Greger as well, I believe. And so I think I was just looking at their bios, and I I only heard about lifestyle medicine definitely no more than uh, two years ago. And then I heard about uh, an exam uh, being written the first time, the board exam being offered for the first time last October. And I think it was only in June or July that I thought, wait a minute, if I'm thinking of getting out of the military and they have this board exam, I should really look into doing it. Um, But so that's how I kind of came to know more about lifestyle medicine. yeah, and but also it, it just made sense. And what I really liked about lifestyle medicine uh, is in studying for the board exam, I learned a lot more about physical activity mm. because as, as medical doctors, just like unfortunately most of us only learn you want people to eat, eat healthy. Well, what does that mean? How do you translate that to a patient for a patient? And the answer is most of us, many of us, pardon me, were not taught, and so therefore we may not know what to say other than follow the can of food guide. Same thing with exercise. How much is too much? What's the recommendation? Again, I did not get that information in medical school or residency. Um, and to be fair, that's because no, you know doctors are not taught that. Mm. But through the uh, studying for the the uh, lifestyle medicine ex- exam, I was able to find out more about that nicotine cessation, like uh, to quit smoking and like how to do it, uh, to cut down on drinking and, and medications that can be helpful for that. That was a real eye opener for me. And then, of course, the importance of stress management. <laughs> yeah, for actually, I want to. Ask, I was gonna ask yeah. you also about sort of the training that you got as a medical doctor, and I've heard often that uh, medical doctors get very little training in nutrition, exercise, and f- so from yeah. what I'm hearing from you, would you agree with that assessment as well? Unfortunately, I would compl- I would completely agree with that, and the, and it's it's no fault of my instructors. If 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 we don't know. We, we, you know, whether we're teaching medical students or whether we're, te- you know, uh, talking with patients and educating patients, you can't talk about what you don't know about. So, right. you know, before I stumbled on all this, if I, if I had, you know, and I did have a medical students uh, rarely while I was in the military, sometimes shadowing me, I couldn't have talked to them about diet because all I knew, I got three hours on the can of food guide. Even though even at that time, way back in like 2005 to 2008, let's say if I heard about it in the second year through fourth year, it was already known, at least in certain circles, that the Canada Food Guide was highly biased, influenced by industry. Right. But it was still the only thing that we were taught. So yeah, there, there's a significant issue, and I think we're seeing also with the, obviously dietitians and in nursing school as well, schools as well as across the country. The educational curriculum with regards to nutrition in particular must be... Uh, severely reviewed, revised, but they also need to make sure that there's something put down, uh, you know, so that the doctor uh, who happens to be teaching it, if they like keto, if they like high fat, low carb, like whatever, it has, it must be evidence-based, right? right? Because otherwise there could be harm if people go away from teaching can of food guide, but then they teach whatever they've read about on some slick internet website or whatever, right? There's a real potential for harm about teaching the wrong uh, ways of eating, whether it's for dietitians, nurses, and of course, medical doctors as well. Yeah, and that's one thing I love about lifestyle medicine is that it is so evidence-based. It's rooted in the latest science on lifestyle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, no, definitely same here. Uh, that's that's one of the best parts is that I know I'm no longer 
trying to say, oh, yeah, I think olive oil is healthy. And for any listeners, it is not. Um, because <laughs> I, I used to, you know, I, I do know at least once I mentioned when I was talking about diet for some strange reason when I was in Petawawa, but before I knew enough about this, I did say something about olive oil being healthy that was based on headlines I'd uh, seen. And had I looked at the underlying research, I would not have said that, but I didn't know any better. So completely agreed. But the, but the piece of it that, that's evidence-based, and if I see something for what uh, for something where there's no evidence, I'm always very cautious and very clear about telling them there is no evidence, but maybe we can try this anyways, because the great thing about this is that one way of eating for all kinds of different issues, people can usually feel better, even if there's no evidence for the condition at hand, like, for example, post-concussion syndrome, where there is no evidence of benefit. So, But mm. there's no evidence of harm either, of course. Right. So... <laughs> Did you find it uh, challenging to transition to practicing lifestyle medicine, given that in your training you received so little lifestyle counseling or training? Yeah, I I did find it uh, challenging because the first thing... Let's see, I, I, you can find books, uh, reliable books, like Dr. Neil Barnard has some great books out there and available from many public libraries. I watch Forks Over Knives, but as a doctor, I probably shouldn't base, be basing my counseling with patients on Forks Over Knives. Um, <laughs> right. But um, yeah, so I did find it challenging to transition uh, to practicing it. Uh, in large part because uh, first I had to get more confident with the subject material and I ended up taking a a certificate in plant-based nutrition that greatly increased my confidence. The other issue that I'm seeing now, um, one thing was that when I was in the military and I started to practice lifestyle medicine with patients, it was a little bit easier and I'll be honest, it was because I was salaried. So I had the time Mm. to talk with patients. In my practice now, um, I, I'm very fortunate that thanks to the taxpayers of Canada, I have a, I have a pension for my time in the military uh, just because lifestyle medicine takes a long time, uh, a lot of time with patients. And right. what I'd say would probably be one of the biggest challenges for doctors of, of all types who are interested in doing lifestyle medicine is it takes time to, to talk with patients, explain things, education and that sort of thing. And how do your uh, MD colleagues react when you talk to them about lifestyle medicine? Do you ever get sort of any kind of pushback? Yes. (laughs) Um, Some are... I definitely have uh, have some colleagues who are very supportive, uh, either because they've seen changes in, uh, them, uh, themselves, either in patients or if they've had health issues and have said, hey, you might want to, you know, watch your oil and your animal product intake. They've seen benefits themselves. Uh, some of them are seeing so much chronic pain and they know that um, it, some of it must be due to environment and usually the biggest intera- our biggest interaction with environment is uh, from diet uh, but there's a lot others who either don't talk about it uh, and I've had a couple people I, I, I did talk once to two doctors who were military and may have had a higher rank and one of them was following high fat low carb and the other one uh, said well there's evidence for all kinds of different things Mm. At which point I was tempted to say, well, if you look out the window, there's evidence that the earth is flat, but usually we get beyond that, right? So <laughs> unfortunately, um, yeah, I, I'd suggest that uh, usually we're fairly polite and collegial as, a, as doctors. And so if there's right. a topic that we don't agree with, sometimes people just don't say anything. And I think that's what I'm running into. But there's others who I think are very curious and some who are very supportive. Um, and uh, I'm starting to see more of them. So. Do you believe, I know in America right now, 
that lifestyle medicine is growing really rapidly with things like the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. Uh, do you think that um, it would ever maybe go mainstream and standard within medicine in Canada as well? I think, I don't see how we cannot get there. I think it's going to, I would expect it's going to take at least another 15 to 20 years um, because the problem is, is that we have all, like I was trained, you know, like, uh, like I said, as, a, as a, nor- a normal medical doctor, I was trained that sure I could offer life- lifestyle interventions, but I didn't know what that meant to tell a patient to eat more healthy or to exercise more, get more sleep or whatever. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't in the resource to give a patient appropriate tools, right, to help them actually achieve that. And then after that, I was supposed to start metformin for prediabetes or diabetes, hydrochlorothiazide for blood pressure and that sort of thing. So we're going to need to see a change in the, like the uh, medical school curriculum, like I said, and with regards to nutrition. And, but then we're also going to have to see, oh boy, it's huge, huge systems, a system change is going to be required because right. the, even the, the funding model uh, here in Ontario, but across the country, it's the same thing. Uh, like I said, lifestyle medicine takes time. Right. So there's a few systems, barriers and challenges. Uh, but I do think, you know, everyone's saying that healthcare is uh, unsustainable. Healthcare, correction, chronic health issues eats up about 67% of our national healthcare, you know, dollars. Go to, you know, 67% goes towards uh, chronic health issues. And uh, baby boomers, they have not, you know, we, we're still not hitting the full brunt of Alzheimer's. And, of course, your blood pressure, diabetes, heart disease, uh, you know, cancers, cancer rates are going up. So I, I do honestly think that because there's going to be no alternative but to grudgingly accept lifestyle medicine, <laughs> I think it's going to eventually become mainstream. And I hope down, you know, probably in a few decades, it will be unacceptable uh, and it won't be meeting the standard of practice for uh, doctors to at least not um, talk about informed consent and say, you could start this pill for your blood pressure, but it's not going to treat the underlying disease of heart disease, and your underlying heart disease will progress if right. I just put you on a pill. Mm-hmm. Or you can change your lifestyle, and you can, and you can um, treat and most likely reverse any harm that's occurred because of your blood pressure, because of your underlying heart disease, whatever. So I think we're going to get there, but... You know, I'm trying to be optimistic, but it still may be like a decade or so. Right, right. Change is slow, often. Changes, yeah. change is slow, and it, when you think about the funding model right now for OHIP, it's for very quick. You know, for seeing medical doctors, it's very quick. Unfortunately, shorter encounters, and it takes a lot less time to write a prescription. And most doctors don't feel comfortable with the subject material because they've never been exposed to it before, right? So change is slow because. Everything in the system right now, uh, even if you look at the subsidies towards uh, animal agriculture for animal agriculture, mm. everything is supporting the status quo, except for the fact that healthcare is becoming un- unsustainable. So, but we'll see. I'm optimistic, though. Yes. <laughs> now, you, Doctor Purdy, you mentioned uh, about a reversal of disease, and I want to ask yes. you about that. How I know typically in the uh, in medicine we. I think people are hesitant to talk about disease reversal and usually the mm-hmm. word they use is like management. But I know in lifestyle medicine, we, we say that, you know, it has the potential to reverse disease. How do your MD uh, medical doctor colleagues react when you maybe talk to them about, you know, reversing disease? Well, I, I guess so because I don't talk to too many of my colleagues about this. And, and the interesting thing is right now, I, ha- I don't, I've only gotten one referral from another family doctor and it's probably because of the whole funding mo- uh, model, uh, all the issues with that. But mm-hmm. 
I think they're most likely a little bit more skeptical. Mm-hmm. Um, it's unfortunate that I couldn't have Dr. Esselstyn's uh, book, Prevent and Reverse Heart Disease, in front of me when I'm talking to them, because then I could show them the angiogram evidence, right? right. Uh, so there may be some skepticism, but also they're, they're, they don't want to go and look at that book or go to Dr. Dean Ornish's uh, his, uh, research paper that was published in 1990 in The Lancet, which was, I think, the first time that he demonstrated angiogram evidence reversal of, uh, of uh, you know, atherosclerotic disease uh, in his patients. Uh, so, um, I, again, I, I have to believe that that's going to change. I do know that so, uh, some doctors are just wowed and completely on board when they actually see, like, papers are one thing, but when you see a patient uh, improving before your eyes. Right. So, uh, yeah, I'm cautiously optimistic that a few of them are now starting to see it and, and buy in, but they still don't feel comfortable with the subject matter yet to be able to do it themselves that much. And lastly, you know, as a doctor, what would you say is the best part about practicing lifestyle medicine? I oh, get to see improvement. I, I uh, like, you know, I my my encounters usually take about an hour, and I am tired at the end of the day. Right now, I'm only doing afternoons in this uh, while my while my practice grows. But the best part is people feel better, and um, yeah, like my goal, and I say this to patients, is that they won't have to see me much, right. and they won't have to see their doctor as, you know, and their care team as often going into the future, and I said, I don't, I, I, I'm pretty sure I won't annoy any of my colleagues, just because most colleagues, most doctors are overworked anyways, mm-hmm. but the best part, people feel better, they feel better, they save money on meds, they save time, they, they save money on groceries, and, and they actually feel better. And, and I'm dropping the risk for everything. It's lovely. Uh, sorry, I could talk about this all day. Pardon me. <laughs> yeah, can you, um, and maybe to end off, maybe could you share maybe like one kind of success story you've had with a, with a patient through lifestyle medicine? Yeah. Um, okay, so I've, boy, let's see. I'm just, I had a patient who came in, in the last couple of weeks, now I, I'd, seen, I'd seen this person, I believe about two months ago, and uh, she was uh, she had some, some issues with weight, and otherwise she was actually doing pretty well, but a bit fatigued, overweight, uh, not feeling her best, and so I was like, okay, let's see what we can help with weight. Oh, and she also, <laughs> this was unintentional, but I picked an example of somebody who had actually tried keto. Uh, anyways, <laughs> and she hadn't felt that, she hadn't felt good on it. So she came in because I'm covered by OHIP, which is nice. Yes. And basically, I you know told her about uh, the you know uh, lifestyle medicine, what this could do for her. And in, um, I cannot remember off the top of my head if she was exercising. But I always encourage, of course, 150 minutes a week of moderate level exercise. Like just walking outside is wonderful. Walking anywhere is wonderful. Um, and the, the, her sleep was a bit disrupted as well. And, uh, but nothing significant, nothing, um, we just, I just talk about uh, how to improve sleep is what I do for sleep most of the time. You don't need medications. And uh, basically she came in last week and she said, yeah, I'm feeling kind of better. I'm like, okay, and we keep talking. And then she said, oh yeah, my my bowel movements, I'm no longer constipated. And I didn't even know when she came in, she hadn't complained about it, Mm -hmm. but her constipation resolved. 
And then I'm like, well, how's your energy level? And she's like, well, I'm, oh my gosh. And she, and she said, I didn't realize this until you asked me, but I've been cleaning up my house. I've been doing maintenance work. I've been painting. My husband's been wondering what I've been up to and why I've got so much energy. And she said, I wouldn't have realized I had so much more energy until you asked. Mm, that's you know, amazing. She's also having some weight loss as well. So she was very happy, but she also, you know, the energy piece and feeling well is so important. Spending less time on the toilet, which of course decreases our risk for colon cancer and diverticulosis, diverticulitis. So yeah, I think that's one of my, I'm getting more success stories because I've been open since May, but that one, uh, she was a high energy when she came in, which was wonderful. Yeah, that's amazing. And it's not, and there's so many stories like hers where yes, exactly. people just ap- oh, yeah. apply the simple, yep. Yeah, powerful principles of lifestyle medicine they get better so it's just really amazing yeah yeah basically if we get if we get out of the way with lifestyle medicine and line ourselves up for physical activity sleep diet and not drinking too much preferably not smoking at all and some stress management and dr ornish would add just a feeling you know feeling connected and to people and, and love for others love for ourselves right. then we get out of the way the body can heal itself and i'm seeing that now in my practice it's really it's so inspiring for sure. So, yeah. so thank you, Dr. Purdy, so much for joining us today. Uh, how can people connect with you and learn more about Ottawa Lifestyle Medicine? If ever they're interested, there's a website, ottawalifestylemedicine.ca. And uh, on the website, there's a bunch of information, free resources, that, that are, like books and that sort of thing that are often available uh, for free on public library, from uh, public libraries. And then, of course, there's a contact form, there's a phone number and that kind of good stuff, Okay. Great. So uh, for our listeners, we encourage you to check it out, especially if you're in the Ottawa area. And as always, you can uh, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Play Music, and Stitcher. We also uh, share our episodes on our Facebook page, and YouTube, and our website. Just search for Pathways to Wholeness Lifestyle Medicine. And if you do have a family or friend who you think could benefit from lifestyle medicine, please do share this podcast with them. So you've been listening to the Lifestyle is Medicine podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you'll join us next time.